there's a lot of people who pass away, but generally a lot of our scholars who passed away, they tend to be older. So clearly there's a, one idea is that, yes, we've lost the scholar, we've lost our sheikh, we lost our sheikh last year, Sheikh Yusuf, Allah bless him, and Allah have mercy on him. We lost him last year, but the idea was, okay, he was older, one day he had to go, so there's always a side of you that thinks. Now when you start now losing, or when you start getting old to the, to the level that somebody just a bit older than you, maybe less than five, ten years older than you, they start going at a seemingly young age, then you start feeling mortality, right? Then you start feeling mortality. And a lot of people have this effect when somebody at their kind of age starts going. Now, Sheikh Taha Karan, rahimahullah, may Allah have mercy on him. He was, I think, over 50, so he was between five to ten years older than me. But I knew him well. I've met him at his house in Strand, Cape Town, South Africa. I've met him in Canada on probably more than one occasion when we had been invited there for some programs. And I think the last time I met him was a few years ago. In, I think it was Makkah Mukarramah. I met him in Makkah Mukarramah. He was about to depart after his Umrah. And we had just arrived. And I still remember, because he was always full of, mashallah, knowledge. Because he was very, very wide-read. I mean, I would say that from kind of 40, 50-year-old, is probably one of the most wide-read person I'd seen. I met him in Egypt, actually. Yes, I met him in Egypt as well once, when I, in 2007, when I went there for the book fair. Massive, huge, enormous book fair. Like, becomes a whole town, part of, Egypt, part of Cairo. So he, he used to come there, if not every year, then many years. I said, why do you come? So the reason he, he used to come there, from what I understood, is he used to come there to remain on the cutting edge of what research and what had been produced. He was su such a bibliophile that anytime I asked him a question, or others asked him, you know, he'd be able to give you a very, very comprehensive idea and guidance and from many, many different sources. So he wasn't restricted to one source. He would read, and he was, he's from South Africa. He'd gone to Darlum Deoband to study. He's from the Malay background, so which means that they generally tend to be Shafi'i. And he remain, he's remained Shafi'i all the way. He went to Darlum Deoband to study, so he had to learn Urdu. His father had been a graduate of Darlum Deoband as well, like, you know, many, many years ago. So after he studied in Mia's farm in South Africa, where he did Hifz of the Quran, I think, then he went to Darul Umdeoban to study, which is the elite institution. And he must have had to master Urdu, because South Africans are not very good in Urdu, right? Even the Asian background ones, right? The Indian background ones. So he came top in his class of six, 700 students at the time. Somebody who didn't know any Urdu competing with everybody else. And it's quite amazing, I mean, the kind of knowledge he had, I mean, from my experience with him. I remember asking him, you know, whenever I've asked him questions, he would always come up with some really enriching answers, mashallah. So that time in Umrah, uh, that time, it was Umrah time, actually, in Makkah, in Makkah when I met him. So he's about to leave, and he said, oh, I, I have to go and do my tawafal wida. I said, you're not in Hajj, why are you doing a tawafal wida for? He said, in the Shafi's, we do a tawafal wida as well, um, after Umrah. Right, so the Hanafis don't have to do that. Right, we don't have to do a special final tawaf, right, after the Umrah, right, um, because tawaf al wida means the farewell tawaf. So you have to do a farewell tawaf, even for Umrah. And also in a Shafi'i school, Umrah is also fard, at least one in your life. 
just as a hajj is, whereas in the Hanafi school it's not. We generally tend to do it anyway, but it's not a fard, it's not an obligation, the Hanafi school. And in Canada we used to have long, because that's when we would be traveling together or staying together, and it'd be, mashallah, really, and get to pick his brains about the Shafi'i school and many, many other things, mashallah. So he, he was always very varied. I mean, in, in South Africa, I went to the MJC, which is the Muslim Judicial Council of the Cape, the Cape area. And he was really, really high up there. He was actually part of their fatwa department. He was probably the main person in that fatwa department. I remember when I was given a, a meeting with them and touring them, that, that is what it was. He was there. And I did i'tikaf twice in Cape Town, last 10 days of Ramadan for two years, about six, seven, six to seven years ago, uh, five to six years ago actually, the two years then. And mashallah, I mean, I had to interact with a lot of his students. He's left behind, people came from all over, quite a few countries. I remember there was a student from Canada. I think he was a lawyer or something, I'm not sure. He'd given that up to go and study with him. Because people were really, really impressed by his very comprehensive knowledge. The other thing is that he was a very cool person. Now, he was into polemics in the sense that he was well read about the Qadiani issue. So in, in South Africa, they had a history where the Ahmadis, they tried to cause a big fuss like 30, about 40 years ago, I think. He was also at the forefront of the producing a lot of the research and the, there was a court case that took place, which finally, I think, declared them to be out of the fold of Islam. And then regarding the whole Shia issue, South Africa has really, really suffered from an onslaught of Shia ideology, right? When I was there in 98, it was at its peak at that time. Several, uh, a lot of people there had been, quite a few people had been affected by this and they were really proselytizing, um, using the whole concept of Ahlul, um, love of the, uh, the Al-Bayt, Ahlul-Bayt, as uh, a way to try to get to the heartstrings and the emotional heartstrings to get people confused about the issue. And he was at the forefront of the research, but whenever he spoke about these things, he did it in such a constructive way. You know, you, you didn't see him kind of getting red in the face or arguing in a way, even I guess a detractor would be able to sit and listen and make up his own mind if he wanted to, refuse to make, you know, refuse to agree if he wanted to. But it was never a kind of a debate as a tit-for-tat kind of idea. It was always very objective, very clear-cut, very academic. And mashallah, he had, um, subhanallah, um, why is it that when somebody dies, then you start talking about them? I've, I've just been thinking about this in the last two years because so many people have died, so many scholars have died, and then it's like when they die, then you start talking about them, and then all of their work comes out, and then you start sending around their work and all their achievements. Why didn't we do that while they were alive? Clearly there were people benefiting from him, but I feel like I could have benefited from him a lot more because, you know, he used to see me as a friend, but he was, I think, so much greater um, because he's just so vast, mashallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given him huge amount of qualities. Mashallah, very, very well respected. So he departed, I think it was, he, he suffered for quite a few days. He was in hospital. It was very critical, then they thought he was going to get better. His father passed away as well. His father had done many good works as well, translating some of the Urdu works, Sheikh Zakaria's, I think, Fadail Amal, etc., into, uh, into English. And Sheikh Taha, mashallah, his, his English was very high. His writing style was very, very good. And he wrote, he was a poet as well. 
really interesting. You don't get too many poets, and he was a poet in Arabic. He could write really good Arabic poetry. I remember when he was in Egypt at the Ma'rad, something had happened uh, with the place they had stayed or something. I remember he was fluent in Egyptian Arabic as well because he studied there for two years after Deoban. He was fluent in his, the so-called colloquial Egyptian Arabic, which is Arabonics or something like that. He was, mashallah, mashallah. Really, really an unassuming, down-to-earth person. And what's really, the thing is, as the hadith says, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not just pull out knowledge. Although that can happen as well, that, you know, there's so many things I, I knew before that I don't know anymore. That can happen, right? I'm sure everybody feels that you forget if you don't repeat. But the bigger way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes it away is by taking away ulama. Now, one, one aspect of that is this, that what's wrong with that? People are going to die. Nobody's here forever. Who said that ulama are going to live longer than anybody else? Right? So I want to put this in perspective because... You know, the hadith says that Allah will remove knowledge by removing the scholars. Well, scholars are human beings. Human beings die. So they're going to die one day. So the point is this, that yes, scholars will die. But if we're not doing, if not, if we're not working hard enough to replace those scholars with somebody else while they're still alive. So when they die, does somebody take their place? And I think Sheikh Taha is definitely one of those people who's not going to be very easily replaced, if at all. Because he was just amazing. And I got to learn a lot more about him when I was doing the etikaf. A number of students were in the etikaf. And they would tell us, you know, they would tell me about him. So I don't think he's a very easily replaceable person. Right? There's a lot of other people, they die. Right? But you can see that they can be replaced. But there's uh, quite a few people who cannot be replaced. Where are you going to get another Sheikh Yusuf Mutala? Rahmatullah from where are you going to get that? It's just, it's just very difficult. That's the real suffering there. So people are going to die, yes. But it's our responsibility to try to work for that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless him. He's gone at a, just 50 something, subhanAllah. 50 something. Whatever Allah wanted from him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed him to do. He's definitely left a legacy. At least he can say that even though he died younger than a lot of other people. He's definitely left a legacy. And that's all Sadaqa Jari, all those students and the other people he's inspired. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, bless him, raise his status, fill his grave with light, grant him comfort and raise him on the day of judgment among the ulama, awliya, sulaha, in the company of the prophets. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him Jannatul Firdaus. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us and our progeny to also leave a legacy and to be of those people who were useful and were beneficial. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept. Now just think about it. He was in South Africa. Many of you probably didn't even know about him before. But you've probably just learned about him either from me or from the messages that are going around. Now imagine if there was a really, really other wealthy person out there or some other, achieve, some other person who's achieved something in some other field. Maybe the people in that field may have known, but how would you know? The only reason the whole Muslim community knows about this is because he prospered in terms of his Islam, in terms of his knowledge and Islam. So don't we want that to happen as well, that more people will make dua for us? So the way to do it is this way. That doesn't mean you have to give up anything else you're doing. It's just you have to become religious.
close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what's most important. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept. Jazakallah khair for listening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, bless you. And if you're finding this useful, you know, um, uh, as they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.